You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, good morning. This is uh, our second week of I Love My Church, the 2016-2016 edition. And uh, last week I asked uh, folks to to uh, post on our Facebook group why they love Living Way Church. If you don't have a Facebook page or uh, an account, you can email or text me. So I'm just going to read a couple of them. I'm not going to say who they're from, but I'm going to read a couple of them. We uh, have some good ones. There's about 20 of them that were already posted. So if you haven't yet, you can go to, to our Living Way group. It is a closed group. That means uh, that's where we share family business, and you can join the group. It's not on the regular page, but if you want to put it on the page too, that'd be great. So uh, this is uh, a couple of them. This one says, I love my church because of the solid teaching and many opportunities to grow. I love the sweet volunteers who share the same passion as I do. I love our worship and feel the Holy Spirit move through us on Sundays. I love the compassion we have for one another. I love how we join together in prayer to lift each other up when we are hurting or in need. I love the friends I've made and who I can now proudly call family. I love the people of our church. This person, that was one, and this is another one. I love that it is responsive to each other's needs. Love that it is a caring church to those outside of our church also. Love the diversity and the attitude of what can we do. I love our pastoral staff and the selfishness, selflessness of our staff in their time. I love the passion of our youth pastoral staff. The thought and time that goes into each kid and devotion and helping with our kids. I love our pastor's wife who is strong, passionate, and so patient. I love our church because of all these things, but love that it loves Jesus. It is a wonderful example of the hands and feet of Jesus. Here's another one. Um, I love the genuine care of everyone and the family environment. If you, I love the staff, how loving and welcoming each person uh, how each one of them are. I love the messages we hear in the services and life teams, as well as how they are portrayed in their everyday life. Um, here's one more, because there's there's quite a few. You can go on, you can check them out. They're kind of cool, pretty encouraging. I, I love my church because we are family. We love and learn with each other while we reach out to people who are lost and hurting. And like family, we love each other even through our flaws. I love that. We don't claim to be or try to be a perfect church. We are living way church. And, uh, you know, if uh, <clears throat> the only way that we could be perfect is if everyone would leave, including myself, because there is no perfect church, because it's filled with imperfect people. Uh, I love this series because it gives us a chance to talk about our mission of our church. I love to talk about our about our church's future, about what we're doing, about what we're called to be, uh, the DNA, so to speak, of who we are. Uh, last week, we unpacked what it means to be a biblical New Testament church and how our church walks that out. Today, I want to start here, and that is our mission. Our mission at Living Way Church is clear. In fact, it's the same mission given to every true church of Jesus. And this is what it says in Matthew 18, beginning with verse, uh, sorry, 28, beginning with verse 18. <clears throat> it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Basically, basically what he's saying is what I'm telling you is not an option. What he's about to say, he says, I want you to know, yeah, I've got the authority over all creation in the universe. So what I'm about to say is it. And don't talk to me. 
Uh, don't talk back to me about it. This is what he says, verse 19. He says, therefore, because I have all authority, this is what I challenge you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. By the way, we have baptism July 10th. If you have not been baptized or perhaps you were baptized as a child and it didn't really mean much to you or you don't even remember it, then and, and if God has made a new and a fresh start in you, you've bowed the knee to Jesus and uh, you begin a new walk with God, you need to be baptized. It's, a, it's an act of obedience unto the Lord. This is part of the Great Commission. We are to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that uh, in the next couple weeks. Uh, and verse 20, and we're to baptize them and we're to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We implement this through what we call our 3D mission, discover, develop, deploy. We have that in our worship guide every single week so we never lose track of what we are called to be. We are called to help you discover the hope and healing of Jesus. We are called to help you develop maturity in that walk with Jesus. And three, to deploy you or send you out into the world in the name of Jesus. So discover, develop, deploy it. Our 3D mission. The mission given by Jesus is to take this good news to everyone. It's the same mission for every single true church of Jesus. Now the vision of each church is how it unfolds for that church. For us as a church, our vision is going to be different than the vision for the church up the road. Our mission might be the same, but our vision as to how we unfold that mission will vary because each church has a unique vision. How we talk it out and how we walk it out. God has given us this vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Some translations have a little bit more accurate where it says, where there is no vision, the people wander or go astray. That means they just wander aimlessly. If you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up exactly there. <laughs> Nowhere. So what we do as a church, we want to reiterate, you know, I've, I've said this last week, 80% of what a pastor does is, is to remind you, remind you of our mission, our vision, what we're called to do and what God's word says. So vision is seeing what God has designed for us, but has not happened yet. Without a vision, we wander and lose our way. I love our vision. This is our vision. It's called the Vive. We've been talking about this off and on for the last several years, but this is the year that we feel it's time for us to move out of the movie theater. Many of you guys know we've been in this theater for about 10 years, and we've embraced it. We loved it. It's part of who we are. We were, and we are still currently right now, a theater church until we can find the perfect place. And we feel like this is the year. We feel that now is the time for us to step out on it. And we are currently looking and investigating places. We visit places as a team, and uh, we've looked in a few places. It is a very difficult thing to find something within our budget that's close by. Uh, in fact, there's not even a whole lot of buildings for sale we're looking to buy or lease. Lease would have to be in our uh, range. A, 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 to buy would be a little bit better. And so what we've been doing is we've been doing this 410 pledge. And the 410 pledge is broken up into four months and 10 months. Then four months, we've raised uh, nearly $45,000 in four months. That's pretty amazing. Let's give God the glory for all of that. 
we launched in February a challenge. Actually, for some of you, didn't roll it out until about March. <clears throat> and we launched this 410 pledge of four months of sacrificial giving. And some of you, man, you were faithful to that pledge. And thank God for you. Your faith in stepping out is, uh, is going to be rewarded in, in, in this life or in, in the next. I know for one thing, you sowed seeds that will reap a harvest that's eternal. Now, for some of you that didn't walk out that four-month pledge as you had hoped, it's not too late to, to give a little bit towards that four-month pledge because at the end of this month, we start our 10-month pledge. The 10-month pledge is not as intense. The four-month pledge, we challenge people to sacrificially give just for four months, and that's why we were able to raise $45,000 uh, nearly 45000 in four months. For the next 10 months, we're going to ask you to prayerfully think about what that means for you. Now, Nicole, there's some uh, pledge cards. Could you just pass them out? Because I want you guys to look at them and pray uh, uh, over them for the next couple of weeks. And um, we've been talking about the pledge here for the last couple of weeks. And uh, I, I want you to, actually for the last several months, but I want you to, to look at it. We're going to talk about it a little bit later on. Just go ahead and pass them out. Um, on the back of the card, we're going to talk about here in a moment. Um, and the point is, is, it, is that this is not about equal uh, giving. This is about equal sacrifice. So whether you make $10 a month or you make, uh, you know, $1,000 a month or $3,000, we all give equally the same sacrifice. But it may not look the same, but we are doing this together. Why are we doing this? Because we believe in making disciples. You see, the vision is rooted in the mission. Everything that we do is wrapped into this one mission, making disciples of Jesus. To see people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You see, here's the reality, is that together we are the church, but individually we are disciples. And I love our church. I love the vision of our church. I love the mission of our church more than anything. I love the people of our church. You are my family. If this is your church and we do this journey, this walk with God together, we're family. Many of you guys are in my house every week as we read the scriptures together and pray together. And I see you on Sundays. Many of you, I'd like to see more than that in small groups. But here's the point. We are family and I love my church. And if you're not part of the family yet, you are welcome. We will graft you into this family as, as quickly as you would want to be a part of this family. But individually, we are disciples. And together, we make disciples. Matthew 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That means everybody. And I love that this is our number one mission of our church. And I want to see us become the disciples and disciple makers we are called to be. But before we can understand how to make disciples, we need to learn what it means to be a disciple. Now, I've actually, uh, in our men's group that meets once a month since uh, 
January, we've been going over what is the church, and we've started a section on what is being a disciple. And uh, I tell you, when we sit down, and if I were to ask you to write down what a disciple is, there would be all kinds of different responses because it seems like a very obscure thing. Go and make disciples. All right, what does that mean? Does that mean go and get people to say a prayer and give their life to Jesus? Does that mean go and, and, and get people to walk an aisle, to raise their hand, or to join a church? What does being a disciple and making disciples mean? Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, let me tell you right now what that word disciple means, and then we're going to unpack it, and we're going to find out what it what it looks like to be a disciple. Next week, we're going to talk about how to make disciples, which is the number one mission of every follower of Jesus. So looking at that verse, Matthew 28, says, go and make disciples. The word disciple, and I know maybe you're not interested in some of the Greek, but see, the Bible was written in a language that wasn't English. It's actually written in multiple different languages. It was written in ancient Semitic languages, and then it was translated into Hebrew, and then the majority of the New Testament was written in Greek, and most of the Gospels were written in Aramaic. So in order to understand some of the original meaning of those words, we have to go back to those words. So every now and then we'll throw out a Greek word. It's not to me go, well, the Greek says... <coughs> Uh, you know, I know Greek because I, honestly, I don't know Greek. I do study. I study and you can study just like me. I know some Greek, but not enough to, to, to in any way become some massive Greek theologian. But when you study this word, the word for disciple is mathetes. Mathetes. Everybody say mathetes. Mathetes is the word for disciple. So it says, therefore, go and make mathetes of all nations. That word mathetes means a learner, a pupil, a disciple, a follower. A disciple of Jesus is someone who follows in the steps of Jesus. Jesus never asked anyone to be a Christian. In fact, he never said, go and make Converts. He didn't say, go and make more Christians. He said, go and make methetes. Go and make disciples. People who follow in the steps of me, Jesus said. Now, we see this even from the very beginning. When he very first called his first disciple, when he called Peter in verse uh, 19 in Matthew chapter 4, he says, come and methetes me. He says, come and follow me. Come, methetes he says, Jesus, it's the same word, though it's translated follow me. That's the exact same word as disciple. It says, come, be my disciple. Come, Methetes, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. That means make Methetes, he says. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And at once they left and they Methetes, Jesus. Verse Nine of Matthew chapter 9, he calls Matthew, and this is what he says. Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth, and he said, hey, Matthew, Methetes. He said, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and Methetes him. He followed him. Guys, listen, what is a disciple? If I could give you a very basic definition of disciple, it would be this. And it's in your notes, and that is, a disciple is someone who takes the next step of obedience in your walk with God. So what is a disciple? This is a disciple. 
this is Jesus, and you're walking to him and with him forward. That is a disciple. A disciple is not about how smart you are with the scriptures. It's not about how often you pray. A disciple is not someone who just really knows how to give. A disciple is not someone who volunteers or who does mission trips. These are things that a disciple might do, but that is not what a disciple is about. And that's not the identifiable mark of a disciple. A disciple is this, someone who takes the next step of obedience with Jesus. In fact, it's marked by one thing. It is marked and identified by these two things. It's marked by one thing and it's identified by one thing. It is marked by obedience. How do you know someone is a disciple? They're not just taking the next step towards Jesus. They're, make, they're taking the next step of obedience towards Jesus. Over and over and over again, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you're my disciple, you will follow my commands. He said this over and over again. Love Jesus, obey him. That's the, that's the simplicity of being a disciple. Obey what? You're like, obey what? I don't know all the Bible. What, what do I obey? Here's what you obey. Obey what you know. That's a disciple. You obey what you know. And if you do obey what you know, you get more from Jesus. Then you obey what you know, and then you get more from Jesus. And then you obey what you know, and then you get more from Jesus. That is obedience. That is discipleship. Disobey what you know, and you get less understanding from Jesus. This is what it says in John 14, 21. Jesus said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now, Romans chapter 1, if you want to read that on your own this week, talks about what it, means, what it means to walk in disobedience from the Lord, while Jesus was over and over again talking about walking in obedience with him. And this is the next thing. Not only is it marked by obedience, but it is identified by compassion. That means you know you are a disciple by how you obediently follow at the best of your ability to walk towards and obey Jesus. That's how you know you are a disciple based upon, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. I bow the knee to Christ. Uh, he has forgiven me my sins and I'm walking towards him in obedience. You are a disciple. How does the world know that you are a disciple? By your compassion. It's a, not about our knowledge. It's not about how fast you can quote a verse. It's not by that bumper sticker on your car or that mug that has a scripture verse on it. It's not by that Christian t-shirt you wear. It's not about your skill or your tenure, your abilities, or how long you've been going to church. This is how the world knows you are a disciple. Compassion. This is what 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 1, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. By the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, the two chapters that sandwich 13, are all about spiritual gifts. And smack in the middle, he says this in chapter 13. He says, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, 
I am nothing. I can give all my possessions to the poor and give my body over to hardship. That means sacrifice my life that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. He says, you know what? You can have spiritual gifts. Man, you can have deep knowledge of the Bible. Man, you can speak prophetically and seem to be able to preach really good. Man, you can have faith. Man, you can pray. Man, the prayer of faith. Man, you can go at it. You can be generous. You can give everything you have away to the poor. You can even give your life in the name of Jesus. But if you do not have love, compassion, he says, I have nothing. A disciple is a person of obedience to Jesus and a person of compassion to the world. John 13, 35, Jesus told his disciples this. He said, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. How we love identifies that we are disciples. So some of you need to get on your face Before the Lord, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have a hateful attitude, a negative attitude, if you are someone who is constantly, you know, on the attack, you need to get on your face before the Lord Jesus and you need to have him begin to work on you from the inside out if you are a follower of Christ. If you're not a Christian, I want to say this. I apologize for the lack of compassion and love that sometimes Christians have. Christians should be the most compassionate, loving, gracious, kind, generous people giving of their life for compassion, for the love of others more than any person that is alive. But we become these identified as hate mongers and stone throwers and people who are uh, angry all the time. Guys, listen, you know you are a disciple by your obedience. The world will know you are a disciple by your compassion. So with that, let's see how we walk out being a disciple, okay? Begins in John chapter 8, verse 31. It says this, to the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. That's if you obey me. That's if you, if you walk in my teachings, you're a disciple. He says, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do you know that, how does the truth set you free? By holding and obeying to the teachings of Jesus. Some of you guys are, well, I'm a Christian and I've got the truth, so I'm free. But then you continue to walk in disobedience to God and you tend to walk in sin and, and you, you let those bad habits still work in your life and you, I can't seem to break free. How come I'm always depressed? How come I'm always angry? How come I can't get a breakthrough at work or my family or at my job? How come, God, how come I'm not free? I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling depressed all the time. How come I'm not free? Very simple. If you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciple. And then the truth that you hold on to well, that will set you free. Guys, this is, this is one, of the, one of the marks of a disciple, and this is one of the ways that we walk it out, is that a disciple pursues growth. A disciple pursues growth. This is someone, this is not about knowledge of the Bible, but a pursuit to know Jesus. As a pastor, and for some, your pastor 
Let me tell you why I prepare messages on Sunday morning. Are you ready? You might want to write this down. Why do I prepare messages during the week? And by the way, I always tell my wife, I tell people, I preach and I prepare like it's the last message I'm ever going to preach. Because I always think, you know, if I were to pass this week, everybody I know is going to be listening to my last sermon. You know, so I prepare every message like it's my last. And I preach with everything I got. Why do I do this? Are you ready? For you to grow. For you to grow. I'm not here giving a pep rally. Give me a J. Yeah, I'm not here to do a pep rally. I'm here to help you to grow. I'm here to help you identify your next step of obedience with Jesus. It's just that simple. And as I'm speaking, as you're letting God's word touch your life, light bulbs go on and go, you know what? That's true, and I need to do that. Now, a disciple is someone who steps into that obedience. And when you step into that obedience, you are set free, and you get more of Jesus. You understand who you are in Christ. And all of a sudden, you begin to walk and live in victory because I'm up here because I want you to grow. Now, you can grow not being here, but this is our time as a family to grow in mission together because together we are the church making disciples. Guys, listen, we give uh, out spiritual tools in our church. And by the way, knowledge of the Bible is not what this is talking about, okay? I'm going to talk about this next week because I'm going to challenge you to make disciples, and that doesn't mean go and make people memorize scripture. It doesn't mean go and sit down at Starbucks and have a Bible study for, you know, for the rest of your life, you know, because honestly, a third of the world does not, a third of, uh, let me put it this way, a third of all Christians in the world do not have access to the Bible. Did you know that of all the languages in the world, there are still 57% of all languages in the world that do not have the Bible in their own language. The majority of our world's tribes, nations, and tongues do not have the scriptures in their language. In fact, there was about a 1,200-year time span where a Christian couldn't even get their eyes or their hands on a Bible. All right, for a thousand years. In China, where the, where the fastest growing community of Christians is in the world, and there are more Christians in China populated than anywhere else in the world, the underground church movement is massive and very few. It's on average about one to two Bibles for every 100 people. Okay? And they're exploding. And it's not because they're reading the Bible every day, it's because they're stepping out in obedience to pursue growth in Jesus. Now, here in the U.S., we have access to the Bible by just the tap of, a, of an app. So let's not, you know, lose out on that gift that we've been given, but I want you to know that we have tools that we provide to you as a church, and these are tools to help you to pursue growth. These are some of the ways. Outside of Sunday, we want you to grow as a disciple, and these are some of the ways. First of all, we have life teams. You know, I've talked to you about how we want you in small groups, 
during the semesters and during the summer, find a group that's meeting. We've got Crisis 101 uh, meeting this summer. Uh, we've got Living the Way meeting on Wednesday nights this summer as well. We have weekly groups. You can go on our website and find out uh, where those groups are at and when they meet. And uh, second of all, as we have on our website, go to the next slide, is we have all our sermons available. In fact, if you were to click on any of our past sermons, it would give you this. And you can listen to them online, and they all come with a PDF of all my sermon notes. So you can actually download my sermon notes, like what I'm actually looking at in my Bible. You can actually look at the notes that I read and follow with all my illustrations and all my talking points, and you can listen and follow along, or you can just read it. You can use that for your benefit, go through it again during the week, and also we provide life team lessons for about a four-month period so that even if you miss life team, you can download the life team notes right off of our website. Another thing that we do to help you to grow is we provide Right Now Media. We pay a subscription, a monthly fee, so that you can log on and have access to over 14,000 Bible study videos. For And this is videos for kids, for teenagers, for married couples, for young married couples, for young adults. Uh, every category, there's whole men's group studies. There's women's uh, studies. Uh, there's crisis studies. There's, there's Bible studies where you go through the whole scripture, an entire book of the Bible. We pay for this for you, so you don't have to pay for it. And if you would like access to Right Now Media, just email me and say, hey, I'd like a password, and I'll give you one. This is something we provide for you to be a disciple to pursue growth. Another thing we do is we have our community church builder, our, commu our uh, church community builder, which is a link from our website that allows you to connect and follow up with people in our church. This is the website page from our website. When you click on the sign up, it takes you to this format where you can plug in uh, sign up for a group, you can connect with other people in our church, and you can continue that journey of discipleship. Another way that we want you to grow in and to pursue Jesus is we have a Facebook uh, group. Now, some of you, Facebook's not your thing, and that's cool, but I want you to know we have over 14 Living Way Facebook groups. That's right. That means everything from kids to kids leaders, to youth, to youth leaders, to worship, to to follow up, we have our our uh, our some of our life teams have their own Facebook group. Of course, we have our our Living Way group, and we have our Living Way page. These are ways for you to connect. And the things that we post on there are funny videos, inspirational videos. We post encouraging news. Some of you, when you're going through a hard time, you just hop on the group and say, I need prayer. And within 15, 20 minutes, we got 20 people commenting on their prayer. And you know, if you're going through a tough time today, and you need prayer, and you're not going to see us till Sunday, and you feel disconnected, you can log into the group and say, I need to talk to somebody. I need prayer. And boom, you got your family right here in this room praying for you on the spot. And it's also a place to just be family, to share tidbits, funny stuff, information stuff. It's a, it's a powerful tool of connection. If Facebook's not your thing, then just kind of know you miss out on some of that Facebook connection, but there's other ways that you can connect through some of the other resources. Now, I do this, why? For you to grow. Very simple. I want you to pursue growth. Here's the second thing. Not only does a disciple pursue growth, but a disciple also serves others. 
Jesus modeled this by washing the disciples' feet. Now, let me tell you something about this story. In John chapter 13, at the night of their last meal together, Jesus gets down on his knees and he takes the sandals off of his disciples and one by one, he goes around the table and begins to wash their feet. Now, for some of you, uh, you're like, Lord, no. I don't want anybody to see my feet. You know, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't want to see your, your, your nails either, you know, and the holes in your sock because you don't cut them. And the toe jam and all that. I tell you, you know, their, their feet, they had no, they, it was a sandals life. So in the streets were animals. You know, their, their streets were filled with wild animals, goats and bull. And, uh, and, and sheep and lamb. It was, a, it, was a, it was agricultural and a farming type community with animal livestock. And uh, you were in the dirt a lot. You were walking around in animal feces. So every time they came in, someone, usually the servant, the lowest person in the room, would go and wash the feet of the people in the room. What does Jesus do? He says, I am going to wash your feet. Now, I want you to know this. This is what it means to serve, because this is what Jesus did. Jesus served a practical need. This was done when they came in. It was necessary. Guys, listen, a servant serves a practical need. Here's the second thing he did. He did the uncomfortable. It was inconvenient. Their feet, yuck. That's all I got to say. It's gross. You know, how many of you guys love your feet? (laughs) Some of you, I'm just curious. So like, yeah, I love my feet. How many of you, not a big fan of your feet? I was just curious. <laughs> it's kind of funny. How many of you guys don't, let's stop talking about this. Anybody? <laughs> Here's the deal. He did the uncomfortable. And you know what serving means? It means sometimes it's not comfortable. It's inconvenient. And this is another thing. He showed us that nothing is below us. You see, Jesus was not just a teacher or a rabbi. He was God in the flesh on the earth. And he washed his own creation's feet. Guys, listen, there is nothing below you. There is not a volunteer service or a ministry opportunity that is below you. Places to serve at Living Way. We have some listed on the screen. If you're looking for a place to serve, uh, you know what a disciple does? A disciple is not a spectator. A disciple is a participator. It's someone who is actively involved in following the obedience of Jesus. And guys, there's ways you can get involved. There's the pit crew, there's kids ministry, there's youth ministry, there's the worship ministry, there's greeters, um, there's, uh, you know, sound and video. You can connect with the life team. Admin helps is things that help out during the week. Uh, there are things here that you can be involved in and there's nothing below you, nothing below you. And it serves an incredibly practical need as we make disciples together. And I love my church, and I love how we have disciples of Jesus who serve each week here and daily in their life, because that is a disciple. If you are serving in our church, you're acting out your faith as a disciple in the church you are part of. And if you're not serving in some place in our church, then I pray that God would lead you. He is today. A disciple steps out in obedience and follows what Jesus says. 
So I want to challenge you, if you don't have a place where you're connected in serving, be a disciple and follow Jesus because he met a need. It was uncomfortable and nothing was below him. Serving is loving and because a true disciple is known by his love. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33 through 34, you've heard the story maybe of the Good Samaritan. In the story, there is this man who was uh, going down this, this narrow valley pathway, and he was jumped and assaulted and abused and robbed and, and stripped of his clothes and left for dead. The story says that there were two ministers, a Levite and a priest, that walked past this man and even crossed on the opposite side of the street because either they were too busy or too offended to help this person. It was not part of their day. But then the Bible says that Jesus gave the story that this man who was a Samaritan, who, by the way, all Jewish people hated Samaritans. So to make the hero of the story the villain of their life was like mind-blowing. That'd be like saying, I want you to think of the most vile person in your life that you can think of, or in the world, you know, like maybe a Nazi or somebody that you think, man, this person, nah, uh If Jesus made, in their mind, the villain of culture, the hero of the story, blowing their mind. He said this Samaritan came, and what he did is he nursed this man back to health. He put him up in a hotel. He paid for his hotel, and then he gave extra money, and he came back the next day basically to make sure that if he watched pay-per-view, he had it covered because he did. He said, here's some extra money in case he does or needs anything else. Guys, listen. After that story, Jesus turned to his disciples, and he said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. In Matthew 10, 42, Jesus says, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple. Truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. So what this means, here's what a disciple does who serves is if you find a, if you find a need, you meet it. And number two, if you find a hurt, you heal it. And number three, you do a whole bunch of other things that Jesus asked but won't fit neatly on a page on a point. Okay? So how do you heal? Well, you're present. You listen, you cry, you, you pray, you provide assistance. Disciples see challenges as opportunities because disciples serve. Here's the third thing is that a disciple stands strong. Disciples are known and marked by their ability to not quit. In fact, this is how I know you're a Christian. You're still following him after 10 years, after 20 years, after 30 years. You stand strong. John 15, 5, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Guys, listen, disciples remain. When life gets hard, a disciple does not quit. When the, the tough get going, the disciple does not cut out. See, time will often weed out the true followers of Jesus. You know, there's a, a, a gentleman who, who I think is so inspirational. His name is, uh, I always mispronounce his last name, is Nick Batuachik. And uh, he was born without arms and legs. All he was given was a small appendage right there, a small deformed foot. 
And that is basically the only appendage he has. He is one of the most inspiring, motivational people you ever hear as a preacher of the gospel. And he has, uh, in spite of, of the way he was born, has actually spoken to more people on the planet than any other person alive. And he has a mission to preach the gospel to every single person alive, 7 billion people. And he is more than halfway there. He is everywhere Uh, has been to every country, and uh, there are still people that have not heard, but he is pursuing that. This is what he said. He says, in this life, God does not need to give me arms and legs. More than arms and legs, I need my soul restored. I need eternal life. Does the devil care if I have arms and legs? No. All he, the devil, wants for my, is for my joy to be taken away and my focus to be distracted. You see, he's got the big picture. See, the devil doesn't care if you have your bills paid or not. The devil doesn't care if you have a nice car or if it runs or not. He doesn't care if you have a job. The devil doesn't care if you have a house or if you're renting. He doesn't care if you are sick or if you're healthy. You know what the devil cares about? robbing your joy and distracting you from God's purpose and plan in your life as a disciple. See, he'll let you have all that stuff. He doesn't care. You know, and he might cause trouble in that area of your life because he wants you to lose your joy and get your eyes off Jesus. But ultimately, he doesn't care if you have it. He wants to attack your joy. He wants to get you distracted. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 5 he says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy of the devil prowls around like a roaring liking, seeking for someone to devour. In 1 Corinthians 16 13, the Apostle Paul says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the truth. Be courageous. Be strong. And in chapter 6 of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, the enemy, and it will come, by the way, it's not an option here. It's not if the enemy comes, it's when that day of attack comes. He says, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand. Guys, listen. When you feel like the world is coming down on you, a disciple stands. When nothing in life is making sense, a disciple stands. Because they're trusting and obeying Jesus rather than what their circumstance is pulling them to do. Because a disciple stands. A disciple stands strong. And when you fail, and you will fail, and when you sin, and, you know, until we get to heaven, uh, we're going to have this struggle of the flesh and the spirit going on. And when you fail, this is what a disciple does. They fail forward. Use it to allow God to teach you and lead you, but stand. When you stumble, when you make a mistake, when you, when you, you know, fall on your face, fall forward and, and then stand because that's what a disciple does. A disciple is not about perfection. A disciple is not someone who never makes a mistake. A disciple is someone who doesn't quit, who doesn't give up even when they fail. Here's the fourth thing is this. A disciple makes disciples. It's very simple. 
And this is what we're going to talk about primarily next week. Matthew 20 and 19, therefore go and make disciples. This is what the vibe is all about. This is why we are moving from the movie theater to another location so that we can continue to expand our ability to make disciples, fulfilling the mission of God in the context of our vision for our church. And that's why I handed out to you that 410 pledge. I want you to take a look at it. I'm going to explain it. Flip it over to the back. Uh, I primarily wanted you to see the back. And I want you to take it home. I want you to pray about it. You're going to see different percentages based upon what a person generally brings in in their month or, or in their week. And what this is designed for is to help you to pick a percentage for the 10-month pledge. Like the Bible says to challenge us to begin with 10% as a regular base of how we provide funds for the kingdom. By the way, we're here today because somebody gave their 10%. We're able to, to pay bills and, and, and pay for everything, kids' church and, and, and uh, do ministry and to do outreach and to pay for missionary support, which, by the way, we have one of our missionaries who are going to be here next Sunday on Father's Day, and he's got a he's cool dude. You're going to love him. But we're able to do that because some of you give. Now, we're going to ask you to make a 10-month pledge to give above your regular giving, and you just kind of pick where above your regular giving. This doesn't take the place of your giving. It is above your regular giving. That's why it's a pledge. That's why it's enabled for us to be able to, to build funds, to move out of the theater, to relocate, and to, to basically continue to make disciples in the context of the vision that God has given us. Now, this is the overall reason as also as to why we're joining the missionary church. We've been talking for the last several months about us connecting with the missionary church. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be uh, sharing a little bit more about that. I'm already in the process of changing my credentials, and we are joining the family of missionary church whose goal is building and making disciples to the first, second, third, and fourth generation. It is a family of churches committed to making disciples disciples. And that is what our church is all about. So uh, you're going to get some more information about that. I want to end with this thought right here. Is what does it cost to be a disciple? Are you ready? Everything. Simply put, a disciple leaves it all to follow Jesus. This is how you know you're a disciple. This is what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, Beginning with verse 34, says, Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? See, a true disciple pursues different goals. A true disciple has different aspirations, embraces a life of self-denial and potential hardship. You see, Jesus moves to the top for a disciple. And Jesus is above the nearest and dearest to us all, above our children, above our spouse, above our friends. And Jesus moves above all of our dreams and pursuits. Your plan your goals, your dreams are set at the feet of Jesus because that is what a disciple does. And a disciple is someone who moves Jesus above all their material possessions. 
Life is no longer about how many rides we can ride and how many tickets we can collect and how many adventures can we acquire. It's about Jesus. What do you have for me? And all my possessions are yours. See, Jesus moves to the top above our comfort and well-being. Our ability to suffer is embraced. Guys, listen, a disciple is someone who gives everything. We think of persecution, we think, yeah, man, I'd I die for Jesus. I have a question. Would you live for Jesus? Will you live for him at work? Will you live for him at school? Will you live for him in your family, in your neighborhood? See, what the world calls radical, Jesus calls normal. I want to play this video, and then I want to say something about it, and then I want to pray for you. This is a video called I Am a Disciple. And if you've ever been to Living the Way, you probably have seen this video. But I want to talk about it afterwards. So play this video right here. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past redeemed, my present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, worldly talking, cheap giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, position, promotion, applause, or popularity. I don't have to be right first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience. I am uplifted by prayer and labor empowered. My face is set, my grade is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my God reliable, my mission is clear. Just hearing that, hearing that. But what you don't know is the story behind that video. You see, the guy who is speaking that is not the guy who wrote it. This was written as a declaration found in Zimbabwe. In the 1800s, they came across a office or a study room of a pastor in Zimbabwe that was martyred or put to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. And they found this letter written in his office as a testimony of his life in Christ in a place of hardship. And as they found this letter, it has now been circulated, uh, you know, over the years. It's been made into videos like this. This is the declaration of a man who is facing hardship daily. He will not quit. He will not give up. He is a disciple of Jesus. But the video does not include the very last statement on this man's letter. 
And this is what the last statement says. It says, I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till he stops me, and when he comes for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me because my banner will have been clear. I am a disciple. Being a disciple is simply wrapped up in two words from Jesus. Matthew 4, 19, he says, come, follow me. That is what a disciple is wrapped up in. Follow, not just believe in me, but live how I live. Love how I love. Do as I do. Walk in my steps. To follow is to move. It's to change. It's to be a person of action. It's to follow. And then he says, me. You see, it's not a career. It's not a dream. It's not about a person. It's not about a job or your education or sports or a hobby. He says, follow me. Not just anything or anyone. It's not your choice. Jesus says a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. So Jesus invites us today, invites you to follow him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are worthy to be followed as the creator and lover of our soul, as the one who designed us and knew what we uh, would have need of in this life and, and what would bring fulfillment and joy and peace in our life. God, I pray that as you call us to follow you, to be Matthias, to be disciples, God, teach us to lay down our burdens at the cross. Life. To lay down our life at the cross. If you're sitting here today, as we close our service right now, there's an invitation given to you by Jesus with our heads bowed. And this invitation is very simple. Jesus is saying, come, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Nothing in life will make sense until you do. So right where you're sitting, if this is you, if you're ready to be a disciple, then will you just talk to Jesus right now? Just tell him, Jesus, here I am. God, I will follow you. Just tell him, Jesus, I'm a sinner. God, I've made some mistakes. I've failed. But God, thank you for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and tell him, thank you for the cross that forgives me of my sins. Go ahead and tell him that. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I will follow you. I will follow you. Teach me how to follow you. Teach me what it means to walk in obedience and to live with compassion. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.